It's time for the Noble Capital Radio Hour with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area and beyond. Featuring the Vice President of Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jess Hamill, and Financial Advisor, Jonathan Berkland. Here's your host, Walter Storholt. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here with you alongside the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill. Serving you throughout the Austin area, you can find us online by going to ncwealth.com. Guys, I want to talk about the seven deadly sins of retirement planning. You know, we should try to be avoiding these seven deadly sins as much as we can in our personal lives, of course, but we should also try to avoid them in our financial lives as well. And so we're going to walk through a couple of these during this segment of the show, and we'll uh, work our way through all seven of them on the program at some point. But first one to bring up is pride. We all know what pride is, can't admit when we're wrong, or we're just never wrong in the first place. Where do you see pride rear its ugly head in financial and retirement planning? So we see it often. So first I would counter that I don't believe pride is a sin. And the definition that you just presented as pride, I don't agree with. Because I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud. But in that context, yeah, it's probably not serving you well. But what we typically see is a married couple comes in. The husband almost always is the one that's, that's committing the sin. He's managing their finances. He thinks he's doing fantastic because he's getting a certain return. And he's all focused on return. He has no desire whatsoever to shift towards the income model whatsoever because he, he, he just doesn't grasp it. So he thinks he's doing great. He's uh, proud of it. His wife thinks he's just awesome. And then just the nature of me showing him a different way. I mean, and, and we tread lightly around here making sure that we don't step anybody's ego, but we show somebody a way to do it differently. And sometimes, you know, we see the, the husband's pride gets in the way. He feels embarrassed in front of his wife because some other guy is showing a better way of doing it. Um, heaven forbid she buys into it and you know, they don't come back. They, they split. So they, they miss out on an opportunity that would tremendously benefit them because the guy is too proud to admit that even though he might be a, tr- a fantastic electrical engineer, he's not a better financial advisor than the financial advisor they came to see. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people out there self-manage their finances. You know, they've they've been doing well in the accumulation phase of their life as they're working. And, you know... It's sort of a similar situation to what Jess is describing, but even just, you know, I walk in with X number of dollars, you know, I've, I've done really well, I'm smart, I know what I'm doing. Retirement's a different different game, yeah. you know? You're, you're not talking about just accumulation and, and trying to invest smartly. It's it's more than that. It's income planning, it's tax planning, it's legacy planning, it's estate planning, all, all, everything. And, you know, it's it's okay to, to learn something new at that point and maybe implement a slightly different plan. doesn't mean that you're wrong or that you did poorly all those years. You put yourself in a great situation, but sometimes pride can, can rear its, its head and, and maybe allow you to put yourself in a, a less than optimal position by simply not listening and being willing to uh, change. Essentially. And it's a shame too, because you could, you could, you could spin that back around and actually use it to your advantage. So right. if you want to be proud, be proud that you, that you've accumulated this two and a half million dollars. You know, you did that. You did that in the accumulation phase. Be proud of that. Now let's utilize that to, to use it for what you wanted to use it for, but in a different way. So if yeah. you're, you know, if you're, if you're planning on going through your retirement, still focusing on accumulation, you're going to have a problem. And if you can't recognize that, then you're letting pride get in your way. My favorite quote is, you know, the smartest guy in the room is the guy that realizes he's not the smartest guy in the room. Um, So you can be very smart and be doing very well and realize that there's somebody else in the room that has a different perspective that's tailored specifically to what you're doing that might, you know, Yep. It might be better than your idea. And that's that's what we share. We're not we're not better than you. We just simply yeah. do things a little bit different and we do it day in and day out. That's yeah. it. 
Here's Focus here's our expertise. Yeah, That's exactly. It. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't, you know, I've got a I've got a pretty high level um, physics background. Um, I understand electricity. I understand you know the, the electrons, and I mean I, I I understand as much as your as your average electrical yes. engineer. But if I go into design a space that we're moving into, and I'm sitting down with an electrical engineer who's calculating all the loads on the lighting load and the HVAC load and everything else, I understand what he's talking about, but I'm not going to interfere. I'm going to let him do his job. That's what he does well. I'm a financial uh, advisor. I'm not an engineer. And people don't always apply that in the other direction, and it gets disappointing because you see people that leave the office that could be in a better shape than they're in, but they're going to stay where they are just out of pride. Yeah. So moral of the story, don't be afraid to admit that you need some help maybe when it comes to retirement planning if it's not your specialty. Absolutely. Seems simple, but unfortunately, in practice, sometimes it's hard to implement because it's pride and it gets in our way occasionally. Uh, Envy is another seven deadly sin, and we see it in retirement planning. I would guess, guys, and, you know, you can disagree with me if you want, but that would kind of be kind of like when people are trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? They look at what their neighbors have or what they're doing and try to keep up. We see that in retirement planning, too, trying to do what the neighbor's doing or live the life sure. that somebody else is living. Yeah. Well, the, the, so what's the biggest shame of that is it, so the the basic nature we're describing typically doesn't serve us well, right? So it's like you're trying to compare yourself against, what's, against what your next-door neighbor is doing. But the problem is what your next-door neighbor is telling you that he's doing is probably not what he's really doing. He's <laughs> embellishing it and trying to make himself look better. Right. So now you're, you're, you're using a barometer that's not even accurate to try to compare what you're doing and measuring your success against something that's not even real. So in the end, it's, you know, forget what your neighbor's doing. Don't worry about how much he has in retirement or what he's accumulated. He's not you. Just focus on yourself. Yeah, and I think we see this too. You know, oftentimes as you're working, you may be able to keep up with a higher level of lifestyle than maybe your retirement portfolio can support after you're not working any longer, right? So people come in with the uh, maybe a larger expectation than is rational or reasonable based on their portfolio. And we kind of have to adjust that down and that doesn't always go over well. And they're focused not on how can I have a successful retirement, but more about what, what I want not, rather than what I need in retirement. You know? yeah. and, and, and we see the end result of that a lot. And, and this would be a great example in the years leading up to retirement when you know, you're competing with the Joneses. So you're jealous of your next door neighbor because of what kind of car he's driving or, 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 or whatever, where his vacation is. So that you got to one up him. So he's just sitting over there minding his own business. He doesn't care what you're doing. He's living a lifestyle that has been planned out that allows for him to have enough money in retirement to have a very comfortable retirement. And you're more focused on one-upping him. So he went to Hawaii. He went to Hawaii first class. He went to Hawaii for a week. He went for two weeks, right? And now it's time to retire. And he's sitting on a nice portfolio because he didn't care what you were doing. And you've burned through your portfolio trying to one-up him. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a double whammy on that. So, you know, if, if NB is an issue for you, go see a therapist. It doesn't have any anything to do with retirement. You don't need to keep up with anybody focus on your own thing. Uh, my favorite quote is that you know, rich people are rich because they live like they're poor. Poor people are poor because they live like they're rich. So quit trying to impress people that you don't know by buying things that you don't need with money that you don't have and just focus on what works the best for you. I like that well a lot. Well said. Yeah. That's, There's that's, a life lesson. That's not, <laughs> take the, the deadly sins inside. There you right. go. Life lesson. There you go. That's one to, to ruminate on for a little while. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, all right. So pride, envy. We know what's coming up next on the seven deadly sins of retirement planning. It would be wrath. Anger can cloud judgment, we know, in many areas of life. But what about when it comes to finances and retirement? Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to have a hard time making a connection across. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think you see it sometimes in couples who maybe one has been left out of the loop for some time and they come in expecting everything's hunky-dory, going to be great. And 
you know, maybe they're not quite as well off as, as they thought they were, or that the spouse told them that they were, or maybe uh, they're plenty of money, but there's no plan. And the spouse told them there was a plan. You know, we see a little bit of, of anger or wrath, perhaps and have to kind of get up and leave the conversation and let them work it out for a few minutes. That, that can certainly happen. It's not something that happens all the time in our office, but, uh, no, but yeah. I mean, so, so from that perspective, I do see that a lot. So yeah. I, I, I see more clients than Jonathan does. So I've probably been exposed to more of the instances that we're talking about. I sure. don't see it pertaining to income planning or retirement planning as much of a connection as we're talking about here, but I do see it happen a lot. And what's typical, and I'm not trying to be sexist or whatever, you know, the Me Too movement, but it's typically the man is taking care of the finances and the wife is trusting her husband. And it's a very uncomfortable situation when we start going over finances and assets, and you can see the wife, at first her brow starts to kind of crease a little bit, and then she starts to start having shallow breathing, and then and she finally has to speak up and go, wait a minute, what's going on? I thought I, th- I thought this or I thought that. Yep. So she's rocking along thinking they got a $3 million portfolio and they really got 500 grand. He's spinning like they do have 300 grand and he's been telling her, don't worry, I got it taken care of. And that aha moment comes um, that she realizes they are in trouble and that causes a lot of grief. So there are plenty of times where I'll excuse myself from the room and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the restroom and let you guys talk about yourself. I'll be back in a few minutes. And uh, then we sit on the other side of the wall and just kind of let them do their thing and come back. It's interesting to hear that, and uh, I guess I was kind of also envisioning, just thinking of different examples, too, of wrath might be uh, not so much related to the actual plan, but it could be the kind of thing where, I don't know, you've got somebody who's maybe just a couple of years away from retirement, but they hate their job, and maybe they let anger get the best of them, and they kind of quit sooner than they maybe should have. Maybe there's a little bit of pride that also kind of comes into that situation, too. Have you seen people walk away from work or want to, where it's like, look, if you can just stick it out for another year or two, your plan is set, and... You know, it's not wise to walk away and retire early just because you're angry. So I, I mean, there's probably no correlation here. I don't. I wouldn't say that I've seen a lot of that here at Noble in what I do, but in life I've seen that. I mean, I, I can think of one very specific example. I'm not going to name who he is, but he um, he worked at Siemens. He had a great salary. He was in his mid fifties. Um, you know, the, the in, I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was, but in today's dollars, probably be the close of four or five hundred grand in salary. So he's He's doing very well. His family's being very well taken care of, but he's super high stress, and he yeah. can't stand who he works for. So one day he just quits. He's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. So he quits at a, an executive-level job with an international company. He goes to work at a Nissan dealership in Dallas selling cars, right? It'll take him about a year to figure out he probably shouldn't have done that, and he's not going to be able to sustain his lifestyle. He goes back to Siemens begging for his job back, and they give him a job that's two steps below where he was, something he had clawed away from. So he goes in, swallows his pride, moves back into that, and it took him all of a year to get frustrated and walk out the door and quit again. Um, wow. And then he had no job, and then he ended up having some health hands, some health issues, and ended up dying. But uh, but yes, so the point is, yes, I've seen I've seen firsthand people get frustrated at things that you could swallow your pride and just enjoy your paycheck, but instead you stand on principle and you end up screwing yourself on the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, you know, having a, a retirement planner help you kind of know maybe when's the time to go might keep you more in check. You know, if, if you, like yeah, Walter if, said, if, if you if, have that yeah. two year horizon in mind versus just this infinite, you know, horizon that you're never going to get to. So if you've been you dealing with a jerk mind. boss for 10 years <laughs> and you've got a plan that says, OK, in 18 months, I can walk away from this. Right, right. Then it makes it a lot easier to continue doing what you've been doing for a decade for another 18 months. Um, if you have no plan and you're just kind of swimming in it and, and, and relying more on emotions than a plan, you're more likely to get frustrated one day and bail in a situation that does not serve you well. Yeah. So get a plan. 
That's yeah, right. the plan. Exactly. Get it <laughs> yeah. figured out. Know what you're dealing with, and then and then you can decide whether to rely on emotions or not. That's actually a fantastic example because I have some uh, some family members who have been just recently through that exact scenario where they didn't have a plan in place. They were at the end of their rope at their job. And they were really just wanting to walk away, and but they also knew that they weren't ready to walk away. So it just kind of led to a miserable existence. They finally got a plan in place, and that light at the end of the tunnel made all the difference. Like, the days weren't as hard once that got taken care of. So not only were they in good shape for retirement, but it made their last few years of working a little bit easier, too. Yeah, I mean, having a plan and knowing, knowing that there is, like you said, a light at the end of the tunnel completely changes your mindset. It, it changes your ability to deal with the stress that you're dealing with as opposed to having an unknown. So if you guys want to learn a little bit more about this or a lot of bit more about this, um, we would invite you to come down to our dinner and discussion, as we so chose the name for. We hold seminars at Trulux and at Fleming's, and we have a couple other venues in there, but those are our favorites. So if you'd like to come hang out with us, get a really nice meal, hear our perspective in a well-thought-out, logical um, presentation, just go log on to our website and register and come on down and hang out with us. And if you like what you hear, you can make an appointment and come in and sit down with either me or Jonathan or now Omar, which we're going to introduce here pretty soon, and uh, see what we can do to help you. All you have to do is call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. And let us know that you're interested in attending one of those dinner and discussion seminars. It's free dinner on us and great discussion about retirement planning and some of the common retirement mistakes that people make and how you, of course, can avoid them. We'll talk about the danger of not having an income plan, procrastination, taxes, and we'll even give you some great case studies, some examples that'll show you the planning in action. All you have to do is call or text 512-492-3800 and let us know you're interested in attending and would like to RSVP. We'll give you all the details. 512-492-3800. Or if you prefer, you can go on the website, as Jess mentioned, ncwealth.com is the place to go. That's ncwealth.com. You'll see right there where you can sign up for one of the upcoming dinner and discussion seminars. Just go to ncwealth.com. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Hi, I'm a cleverly devised personification of Wall Street. I'm one wild roller coaster ride away from wreaking havoc on your investments. And I love to mess with your emotions. If you're not properly diversified, you can bet I'll keep you up all night thinking about me. If you want to keep me off your mind, you really need a trusted advisor who will look after your best interests. You also need a custom-designed financial plan that will protect you from market volatility. Otherwise, when I take a plunge... I'll send you scrambling through your filing cabinet, hoping you were well prepared. Don't wait for turmoil to hit. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Do you have a question for the Noble Capital team? Give us a call at 512-492-3800 to get some answers. That's 512-492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. 
It's the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, the fantastic team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. And we have a question here on the mailbag from Cliff that I would like to answer. Cliff writing into us from Austin. And says, I told myself that once I hit a million dollars in my portfolio that I'd move a lot of money to cash. But now that I'm at a million, I'm thinking I can get to $1.2 million before I make that move. What do you guys think? Well, my first question would be, why, why getting to a million? Why would you move money to cash unless you're just trying to get it out of the market? I, okay, he probably means take it out of the market, put it in cash, so it doesn't worry yeah, about losing it. Exactly, yeah. Um, as opposed to like in a suitcase. But why the million-dollar mark? That, to your point there, that's, that's kind of the question. What is is a million dollars kind of the, I know for sure I'm going to be good? And that, I, I think he probably, I mean, but my guess would be he probably had a, a goal. Um, here's here's what I really need to feel comfortable retiring. I got to get up to a million dollars. So once I get there, I'm going to do something to make sure that I don't have another 2008 that drops me back down to 600. But if the question is, should I now move that to 1.5? The answer is the same as always. I'm going to just like record it. Come see me. You know? yeah. <laughs> let's let's look at the overall portfolio and figure out what you're trying to do exactly. Just moving something to cash. If you are comparing that to, if, if if you're looking at only two options, it's either in the market exposed to risk or it's in cash. There are other options between the two. There's an in-between or an alternate, right? right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily be in-between, but something next door. Yeah, I think what we're getting at and kind of the fusion confusion you're getting from us, Cliff, is is just related to it sounds like your only goal is is some number kind of in the sky unless uh, it's tied. It's not, it doesn't sound like it's too tied to an overall plan where a million dollars is what you need to successfully retire. It's more just that makes me feel good. So I would caution you on getting um, overconfident and, and with any investment and saying, well, now that I've hit my, my goal, my benchmark, I'll just keep going because I think it's going to work out for me without having an overall plan for, for what you're trying to accomplish. So instead of making that decision to go cash or to stay on the market uh, based on the million dollar benchmark, let's sit down and talk about what are your overall goals in retirement? What are your income needs? What other sources of income do you have? Social Security, maybe a pension, who knows, right? And and figure out what does it take to, to fund the rest of your retirement. And it might be that, um, yeah, let's move forward with the million and, and keep going. Let's push for more. Or it may mean let's reallocate some of that um, and into the, the retirement income plan or, or somewhere in between. Yeah. And for and we, we, we breezed right over the very first thing we should have said, which is, Congrats! Yeah, know. right. I mean, yeah. We're, Congrats we're, on whatever yeah. you did. That that uh, it sounds like he had a plan. It was deliberate. So you got yourself up to a million bucks in your portfolio. Good job. Way yeah, to go. that's a that's a big deal. A huge accomplishment. So his his next thought is, how do I not lose it? So yeah, he's uh, so you're on the right track. Where you went sideways is the the it's either cash or in the market kind of thing. So yeah. come see us. We can definitely help you. Um, and the goal would be to not only make sure you don't lose that million bucks, but to start using it properly so that it benefits you in a way that makes the most sense for your retirement. Yep, yep. And we might even put a little back in the market to, to watch it grow, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's don't tough. don't get trapped in the in the millionaire definition, you know. Especially for my generation, millionaire that was a big deal. Man, you're a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. The look I see on clients' faces when they come in with a million bucks and a pretty big budget. And they think they are just bulletproof. And we start, we lay it out, especially when they're a little early, lay it out, look at their budget, look at inflation, and they realize, wow, I'm still short, even at a million bucks. Yeah, that's painful. Yeah. If your budget's over, uh, if you're in the six figures on your budget and, and you're sitting on a million, you might have to rethink um, retiring today. Yeah. I mean, that, that's Unless you're 75. But, you know, if you're, sure, sure. Yeah. If but, you're in the early 60s, you got a million bucks, you're living on a buck 20. Yeah, we got to make some be adjustments, man. It's yeah. going to be tight, believe yeah. it or not. And that's, that's the reality. So congrats on the million. It's not what it used to be, but still, it's a huge accomplishment and certainly a fantastic nest egg and, and something you can put a, a great retirement plan together with, um, regardless of budget, really. 
Good job, Cliff. Lots to unpack in that question. Uh, <laughs> who would think that there'd be that much to go over from just two sentences? But there were just uh, there's a lot of you know assumptions that are built into that, and uh, a lot of misnomers as well. So I got to think it's just an emotional thing, right? We spent our working years obviously not having a million dollars in many cases, and so million sounds pretty good when we're younger, and it just kind of gets lodged in our brains, and then we have that emotional attachment to that number because it sounded like plenty when we were younger, and we just don't change that mentality when we get older. Maybe that just kind of gets stuck in the back of our heads, and that's why so many people tend to just sort of shoot for that random number without really having any rhyme or reason behind it. But uh, it's a really good question, Cliff. Thanks for sending yeah, that. As far as, as far as changing the mentality, come in here. We'll put it on paper in front of you, and, <laughs> and we'll, we'll help you get into the correct mentality, I guess, is the, is the point. That's yeah. right. There's that's nothing right. – There's nothing. Uh, well, there's plenty of things worse than things, but it's not great to get overconfident um, and then start spending based on that and realize that you're running out way sooner than you expected. Yeah, at least put it to the test because yeah. you know, on some situations, a million's enough. So your your random number may work. Absolutely. But in that's many true. cases, it's not. So that's uh, really good. Uh, great conversation that you sparked there, Cliff. If you want to learn more <laughs> about these kinds of things, I mean, making some of those assumptions, not to pick on Cliff, uh, do fall under that umbrella of common retirement mistakes. And those are the kinds of things that are being debunked at the dinner events that Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland and the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management host throughout the area here in Austin and uh, throughout the community. They're going to uncover things like the danger of procrastination, uh, what it's like to not have an income plan in retirement and the dangers that that poses. They'll give you some case studies on why you should be planning and uh, show you that planning in action. And they'll talk about taxes and the annuity trap and other important items as well. If you want to attend an upcoming event, you can find a list of locations and dates at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Just look for the dinner and discussion seminars there. Or you can give a call or text to request to reserve a spot for those upcoming events as well. 512-492-3800 is the number to dial. And you can call or text 512-492-3800. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. It's getting to know you time. Time to get to know Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland a little bit better on today's show. This is the part of the program where we just get to know them as your financial advisors a little bit better. Just a quick sidestep from all the financial talk. Guys, outside of your family, who is somebody that's had a significant impact on your life? Outside of family? A, uh, a deep question today. It is a deep question. I mean, I don't have to go very far in my short, I guess, life and career span here. Um, in terms of mentors of my life outside of family, I think I'm sitting across the table from from the biggest one here. That might be the the easy one to pull, but I promise I'm not saying it just because he's sitting across. Brownie points. Uh, no, I've I've certainly learned a lot and uh, hope to still learn a lot and uh, really admire the gentleman I'm across from here. Um, and I think uh, any of those who don't know him yet, I think they would as well. So come come meet us. Wow. That's pretty cool. Wow. Right on, man. I appreciate that. I don't know that means a lot. How do you follow that up, Jess? Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> well, it it would be something very similar. It was uh, my first professional boss, Steve Haug, um, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. But he uh, he was my boss straight out of college. I took my last final on a Wednesday, started working for him on Thursday, and 13 years later, I was president of the company. So I learned quite wow. a bit from him. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is interesting, the different people that we work with. Mine was probably from school. I really enjoyed a math teacher and cross-country coach that I had in high school, Mr. Mayo, and uh, he was he was just awesome. So I think he had a big impact on my some very formative years there growing up in high school. So it's fun to cool. look back and lift those up in the past. Absolutely. Who have helped us, or in the present, in your case, uh, John. There you so, go. There you go. Pretty cool. That's getting to know the gang at Noble Capital. We've got more coming up on today's show, so stick with us. 
When you reflect on your life, what would you like to see as your fondest memories? Summers at your favorite vacation spot? Ice cream with the grandkids after their first t-ball game? Maybe it was your great adventure across the world. Of course, those memories are still in the future, although they're not as far away as you might think. Be sure you have a financial plan to make them happen. Don't find yourself worrying while enjoying that ice cream. Peace of mind is attainable in your retirement. With the proper planning, you can secure a meaningful retirement. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Talk 1370. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour with Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Let's get back to the show with your host, Walter Storholt. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management. We're talking about retirement and financial planning and the things that you need to learn and know. And we're having some fun talking about the seven deadly sins of retirement planning. And I wanted to get to a few more on today's show, guys. And this one is the big one when it comes to finances, I would imagine. And this one is greed. That's got to, I guess, lead to some great discussion, guys. I'm sure you've seen it come through the office all the time. It does. We do. And i got to be careful using that word because people get offended by it. but you know, there's a, there's never a good time to get out of the stock market. So if your portfolio's down, it's like, oh my God, it's down. We got to wait for it to come back up. But if it's up, um, nobody wants to get out. They want to keep riding that train, and, and that's usually greed. So it's like, okay, yeah. the market's been just your your portfolio has grown more in the past twelve years than it has in any other part of your professional career, and you don't want to now reallocate it into something else that's going to benefit you because you're greedy. Um, it's very hard to say that to a client. So you have to dance around. You don't use the greed word and try to, to lead them to that conclusion. But but that is probably the number one hurdle that I see for clients. They get caught up in the fact that their portfolio, their 401k, their IRA, their brokerage account or whatever, you know, you take a monkey and stick him in a room, hang four stocks on the wall and give him a dart and let him throw it at it. He can still make money, right? I mean, it's just that's just the way the market's been. So greed is the basis for a lot of the hurdles that keep people from moving themselves into a better position because they want to hang out for just a little bit longer and get a few more gains. Right. And I think what we're talking about is, is more blind greed, right? It's people sometimes don't always recognize it, right? You just you become accustomed to, to getting a certain return in the market, doing things a certain way, and expecting a, a certain return. And, you know, when, when uh, we try to kind of reallocate or readjust and think of things in terms of retirement rather than accumulation mode, which you've been in most of your life, you know, it, it kind of triggers this almost visceral reaction to, right. no, that, I can't change. What What is this? No, that, I mean, it makes sense, but I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want this thing, you know. And, I, I can't sell uh, my winning stock. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. nothing more disappointing when I show somebody, I was like, here, here, I have an instrument that I want to shift you to that's geared towards income generation, and it's got a guaranteed accumulation of 7% per year. Guaranteed, and and have somebody look me in the eye and go, "Well, that's terrible." I've been getting fourteen yeah, percent in my four hundred one k. I'm like, like, "Are you kidding me?" It's like, yeah. "Come on, man, that's greed." Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, it's it's it can be dangerous. Like I said, blind greed. I think you know, a market correction is is due at some point. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next year. But at some point, it's going to come, and and it's in that moment that you realize, "Ah, oh, dang it! I wish I would have done something different." 
I wish I'd reacted differently when I had the chance. And, you know, we don't, we don't try to play, you know, fear factor into it. But at the end of the day, it's important to recognize how fortunate I think we've all been uh, for, for quite some time. And if you're, if you're switching gears, if you're changing and going into the retirement mode, you have to think a little bit differently and maybe maybe uh, invest a little bit differently too. And that, that's just what we're trying to put out there. So it's important maybe to check that greed at the door, understand we all have our desires and our, our investment expectations, and we can still go after those returns with maybe a piece of our portfolio. But we want to make sure we have that income locked down. Right, that's yeah. that's important. So, so just, and I want to make sure everybody understands that. I mean, we're not we're not scoffing at high returns. I'm not right. trying to ridicule right. somebody for wanting a high return. I'm just saying that a 55 or 58 or 60 year old has a different situation than a 30 year old. So yeah. if you are approaching retirement or you are retired, or you just retired, and you're looking at a fundamental change in your lifestyle then you might want to look at a fundamental change in your retirement or your investment strategy. It it needs to be aligned. And sometimes greed is the one thing that interferes with people following what makes the most logical sense. Yeah. In the future, are you going to wish you had been greedier or will you wish you had not been as greedy? I imagine most people it would be the latter. You're going to wish you weren't as greedy as you were. Rarely do you have somebody come in, man, I really wish I was a lot greedier in life. (laughs) Right. So that's that's something to think about as you go to make decisions. If you're chasing fads or returns, those kinds of things, and you're doing it off of that emotion of greed, uh, be careful. And a lot of these uh, seven deadly sins that we're talking about, too, here on the show, it's it's like with anything in life, in moderation, these things are okay. Like, it's okay to have a little greed. It just don't let it drive your decision-making uh, throughout yeah, your entire sure. portfolio. Very good point. Yeah. Very good point. I, I like the way you put that. That, that. that does make sense. Kind of like with the pride one that we've you know talked about. Is, right. is It's okay to have a little bit of pride. Just don't let it dominate your life. Uh, same goes for these others. All right, the next one, I don't know if it's the opposite of greed, but it t- certainly takes us in a direct, different direction. Uh, sloth. Nobody uses that word anymore these days, by the way. <laughs> I do. My mom loves it. <laughs> do you sloth? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jess introduced so, me to sloth. So, sloth, so my, sloth. my little brother had this friend... I don't know, in the back when he was like in high school. And this friend, I mean, he was just a, just a total loser, right? I mean, he's the epitome of loser. And he was what I call a slow walker. Um, so people that just walk like they have absolutely nothing to do whatsoever, they're in no hurry, irritate me a lot of the time. It's like, get out of the way. Come on, you know, we got something to do. But there was this friend of my little brother's that my mom referred to as a sloth. And that's for my mom, that is the ultimate insult. <laughs> it's like, you have no value. You just move slowly. You consume resources and you don't produce anything. So yeah, that's a, that's something I'm very familiar with. I, I had a friend Craig growing up and, uh, my folks, uh, were just like, it sounds like your mom. I don't know if they called him sloth, but, uh, they always called him open mouth Craig. Cause he just <laughs> oh my always had his mouth open. And then when you'd ask him a question every single time, even if you spoke extremely Clearly, he'd go, huh? <laughs> Close wow. your mouth, Craig. My parents said to him. I, I, would, I would take that 14 levels further than that. <laughs> Not on the radio. Yeah. Open mouth, Craig. Open I mouth, I'm going to tell my mom about that. Actually. And Craig was a smart guy. He just always left his mouth hanging open. So it was just, I don't know. It reminds <laughs> on, me of the Craig. kid that just sort of slowly walked around. He just kind of had that slowness uh, to him in, in his personality. But anyway, what about sloth in investing? Not, you know, picking and bullying on little kids here. <laughs> Man, I, 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 you know, so when you when you say sloth, and we're not actually talking about a sloth, yeah, I, I've got a different connotation that comes to mind. So I'm trying to make that connection. I, I, uh, maybe with somebody that's moving too slowly, or that's taking too long to make up their mind. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe procrastinating. Bit you know, and that's, that, yeah. that's, okay, that's, that's what I think of. 
yeah, somebody who's just not reacting or changing with the times, recognizing the fact so that you're in retirement mode now. Yeah, so that's a human nature issue that I deal with all the time. So the standing joke around here is I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a, I'm a therapist, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I can put the math together. I mean, a, a, an 18-year-old with a calculator can do 70% of what we do if you understand the basis of what we do. It's more of making the decision to actually change. So, you know, if somebody comes yeah. to comes to the office, they got two million bucks, it's all in the market, they're approaching retirement, they're like, I've been through 2008, I've been through 2000, I'm not going through that again, get me out of this. So I put together a plan that clearly shows them guaranteed, predictable income, adjusted for inflation, covers all their expenses, covers vacations, hobbies, I even increase their budget. Go have more fun, you'll be fine. If you live to be 120, I got it all covered. And when it comes down time to actually make the change, they're like, oh, I got to go home and think about this. I'm like, what's yeah. the thing about? It? I've done what you asked me to do, right. and I've, right. I've surpassed your expectations. I mean, it's just it's that slow moving, and then I then I start getting the excuses. Well, I'm very conservative. I move very slowly. Yes, yes. You know, it's like you weren't moving slowly when you marched them off and said, get me out of the stock market. Change so, isn't easy. Isn't change it? change it's, is hard, man. Especially when you've been doing something for thirty or forty years of your professional career, and it's worked well for you. Right. You consider it to be a success, and now we're making a completely different. You're making a change that puts you in a different mindset, a different investment strategy. It's solving a different purpose altogether. Yep. It makes all the sense in the world. But that human nature kicks in of, I need to slow down and think about this, which, you know, I'm, I'm all into that. Don't make any rash, you know, knee-jerk reactions. Right. My typical appointment process is at least three appointments, sometimes four, sometimes five, depending on the complexity of your um, portfolio. So if we're meeting five times over a five-week period with an average Several of, hours. for two to three hours yeah. each time, We've put in three or four more times more, you know, time and energy than the typical advisor sees you twice, and after an hour he's telling you what to do with life savings. So I've given you all the time, I've given you all the consideration you need for thinking this thing through. Let's move on. And it's the people that want to go home and think about it. They're trying to make this decision at eleven thirty at night in yes. their bed, and all they're doing is just getting buyers remorse and freaking out because they're making a change. And, yeah, and what they're emotional. doing, yeah. yeah, it's emotional. In the end, they're making emotional decisions for a financial. But should be a financial decision, and they're screwing themselves the process. Yep, yep. So it's not allowing logic and reason to play out. It's just making that emotional decision and, and turning into a sloth. Yeah, and just exactly. and, and what, what we don't like to see and what hurts us the most on, on the sloths, and I'm sorry if you're a sloth out there, but <laughs> you know, it hurts to see those people not make a change that would be beneficial to them and walk out of our office um, worse off than if they had r- remained with us, yeah. you know, and that – that really hurts, you know, just, uh, you know, as financial professionals, we're out here to, to help people at the end of the day. And um, it, it hurts to see somebody walk out the door and, and not not take your recommendations. It's, it's OK. It happens. But yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's, I, I, I'm here to help you. you yeah. Know? So yeah. I, I sleep like a baby at night because I can show you the documented track history that the recommendations that I make are in your benefit, not mine. There are plenty of times where I recommend that you do this one asset class as opposed to this other asset class. And the second asset class means that I get a free trip to Hawaii, but <laughs> it's not in your best interest. And then yeah. I'm always going to go with your best interest. I'm very, very proud of that fact. I, mean, I can pay for my own trip to Hawaii. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when we see people make poor decisions because of that same, you know, that same phenomenon, it, it gets disappointing. And then on top of it, you see people that – you kind of bring them back into reality and say, okay, you've, you've got a problem here, dude. You didn't, you didn't plan properly. You're trying to retire early. You're living large. And you know, as long as you die in the next eight years, you're fine. But if you, but if <laughs> yeah. you want to have a full life, we've got a problem. You know? and, and my plan takes what you've accumulated, and it stretches it as far as it can stretch. And here's what you've got to do. You've got to decrease your spending. And they don't want to decrease their spending, so they stick their head in the sand and walk out the door with their plan, which 
inevitably is going to make them decrease it even more. Right. But they'll figure that out the hard way. And yep. that's that's what's very disappointing. That's a good sloth reference, too, yeah, I believe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, we've talked before about greed, but how is gluttony different? Where do we see gluttony rearing its ugly head in a financial plan or a uh, portfolio? We talked about this earlier, and I mean, I know I've got a general idea of what gluttony refers to, so I went and Googled it just to, to dial it in, and it seemed to, reti- it seemed to be tied to, like, eating. So Food. gluttony, gluttony has something to do with consuming yeah. too much, but it's it's all relative to eating. So I've been talking a lot this episode. I'm, I'm going to pass it off to Jonathan. Let pass him, it off. Hey, let him I, sit I, and try to figure it so out. The way, I, the I, way I, that, I don't see the connection. So the way that I, I see this occurring is, you know, if you're somebody, say you have a net worth of $2 million, right? But... Your net worth consists one point eight million of that two million dollars is real estate, right? So you, right there, that, that, that's gluttony. It's not necessarily um, terrible. You could be very successful in the real estate realm, but if you walk in the door with, you know, one point eight of your two million dollars in real estate, you've kind of committed that sin of gluttony. Maybe you're a little bit overexposed in that real estate market if it decides to go south. Maybe you're a little bit overexposed if um, it's it's too kind of centrally located in any one piece of property and you don't have a tenant there or something goes wrong or th- that sort of thing or, or you, you need to sell it for some reason and you don't have the liquidity. So you're, you're essentially overexposed to a certain asset class. You can do the same thing in the stock market or really any asset class that you can think of. You can be essentially overexposed and not diversified enough across uh, you know the, 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 the spectrum of different investment options. And that, that comes into play in retirement in a big way. You might be able to get with, get away with that as you're working through your career um, and coming into the retirement space. But once you get in that retirement space, your focus is on income and you want to make sure that you don't lose anything that you've accumulated. So that's how I see gluttony occurring. I think it happens in a lot more than people realize and they find something that they, they're successful at or that's done really well for them, like the stock market's been for a lot of us over the past, you know, 10, 12 years, you know, and, and people stick with it. And all of a sudden they look up and wow, my, my portfolio has grown exponentially in that one area because it's been so successful and I failed to diversify away. So it's not so much that we're going to force you to diversify away for something that's been successful, but rather we're going to try to open up your, your eyes and ears to maybe a different way of doing things and really consider income in retirement versus just accumulation in your in your career yeah the real estate example i think is definitely a a good one jonathan because yeah what if you're way overloaded you've really been kind of pigging out on on your real estate investments but now it's time to you need income from those pieces of real estate and you need to start selling them off well what if the market's taking a humongous dip and that's the same thing as your portfolio now taking a big hit from a stock market crash. I mean, there's risks in all different elements of uh, financial planning in your financial life. And so you got a uh, diversification we hear all the time. And that's so important and that's key. And you don't want to be gluttonous on one particular investment or like company stock, I imagine, would be another gluttony element oh, for a lot of people. That's a good one. That's a good one, Walter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've worked for XYZ, AT&T, for example. I know they, they give out uh, employee stock. Uh, I believe we've seen several clients with, with that and, you know, their, their pension plans through AT&T. They have company stock. You know, the 401ks is with AT&T and in their AT&T 401k, they purchase AT&T stock. It's like, wow, maybe maybe let's diversify this a little bit. You know, um, AT&T, solid company, been around a minute, but who knows? You know, why, why take that chance? Why take that gamble? It's your retirement. M- make it about you and not about AT&T. Hmm, that's a great way to put it. A very cool uh, idea, Jonathan, to make sure that we are not only relying on our paycheck from a company, but also in our entire retirement exactly. future as well. You can see how that uh, gluttony might lead you down a bad path if you're not careful. So again, like a lot of these things, moderation is 
the key. Uh, especially with this last one here, we've got lust as our seventh and final uh, deadly retirement sin to talk about. This comes down really, I feel like, Jonathan, to realistic goal setting. Would that be something you'd agree with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people come into our office and, you know, some people have realistic expectations and some people don't. Um, it's important to understand that, you know, your your retirement portfolio may or may not allow you to live the same lifestyle that you've been accustomed to living, uh, you know, during your career, during your working years. And that's part of the, the answer really that we give, not just can I retire, but what does that retirement look like? So it's really important to really factor in your needs and your wants and know that your needs aren't your wants when you're doing retirement planning. And, and the way that we sort of uh, parse that out is by by putting you through an exercise, putting a budget together that really breaks that down. What are my basic expenses and then what are my 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 wants, my lifestyle expenses, you know, traveling, eating out, spoiling the grandkids, all those fun things. And while we want you to do those things, at a minimum, we want to make sure that you're able to put food on the table and you have a roof over your head. Um, that's where it all starts. So oftentimes people come in with grand expectations and forget that, you know, yes, you're retiring, so you're, you're, you're down the road a ways in life, but you're not at the end of the road. You're 60 years old. You could easily go to 90, right? So that you have another third of your life left to live. We have to make sure this lasts and make sure that you're not going to run out of money. So that's our main goal is making sure that you're taking care of in retirement and really coaching you out of that lust mindset and putting you in a situation where you're going to be successful. And then maybe we have some reserves where we know we can go out, have fun in retirement and only focus on those things, though, after we know we have the main things locked up, namely food on the table, a roof over our heads. I don't know if you have any other comments on lust. You know, they're just like I was explaining. I mean, we see it with people coming in, maybe with larger expectations uh, for their retirement that maybe is is reasonable. But you know, it, it's it's one of those things where we just try to coach people out of it and 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 try to to budget successfully uh, to to their portfolio. But perhaps perhaps lust displays itself differently to you or would you agree with that yeah, I, I mean i don't know man i'm having a hard time connecting lust to this it, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about the numbers it's about the emotional connection to your yeah portfolio. it's emotional thing sure um so lust is definitely emotional but i do, do you see people lusting over like a particular number like i've got to get to two million dollars and that's yes. they're yes. lusting over something like that we see that often a, so a good, a, a good yeah. example would be you know we just I actually was talking with somebody the other day who has some experience with uh I don't want to mention any names of companies, but with a, a company that has been around for a while that is the transition from an older company and they're huge, they've been around. So they've got a lot of what I would call blue collar workers. And I try to avoid using that, that term because people take it personally. I don't mean anything negative by it, but there's blue collar and white collar. People that are using their hands and their tools versus people that are using a pen. But you know, there are some people out there that have been working very hard for a very long time. They have developed between company stock and 401k and assets to 2.3 million. They're in their early 60s. They're living on $70,000 a year. I mean, they're absolutely in a good position to retire. But right. somebody has told them that they need to get up to $3 million to be able to retire. So they're out there just carving away, trying to do everything they can to get to that magic number um, that is not necessarily the, the right number. So if, if that happens to describe you, come see me. You know, right, yeah. If, yeah, you're, yeah. If, you're, if you're in your early 60s, you got a couple million dollars. Um, you're, for the most part, debt-free or at least have no mortgage. And somebody has given you this, this uh, imaginary uh, target of $3 million. That's not necessarily the case. I can help you out with that. Yeah, but, don't, yeah. but don't be lusting after that after right. that one particular number. You know, let's let's get to let's exactly. get to love. You know, let's get yeah. to the reality here. Right, a million, two million, three million. Those are all the, the big round numbers. You know, it's yeah. it's it's all about 
you know, what, what your, what your lifestyle is going to be in retirement when you're retiring, you know, what you're going to get from social security, pension, et cetera. Every situation is different. So don't feel you have to get to a certain point before you're quote unquote qualified to talk to, you know, a retirement planner to, to see where you're at. You know, if you're in the retirement spectrum and you're kind of feeling like, you know, my time's coming up soon, I, I want to get there, then start the conversation. So if, uh, you know, we we'll use that as one example. If you happen to be in a situation where you've accumulated a pretty decent sized portfolio, but you're chasing a target that somebody gave you um, that may or may not be um, baseless, come on in, sit down with us. We'll, we'll feed you a good dinner. We'll explain to you how we see things, and you can decide from there if you want to come in and see us. If you do, we'll sit down with you and, and um, explain our philosophy and how we can help you, and you can decide if it's a good match, and, and hopefully we can work together. If you'd like to attend an upcoming event and get some dinner on us and some great information about planning for retirement and your financial future, call or text your interest to 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Call or text that number. Or you can go online to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Look for the dinner and discussion seminars that are coming up in the area. You can come enjoy a little meal or or a big meal, in fact, Uh, some common retirement mistakes we're going to be talking about the annuity trap, procrastination, with some great case studies to show you the planning in action, how it actually works when you get a plan in place and the true difference that it makes instead of just sort of, you know, throwing those darts at the the wall or a plan that's built on hope instead of, you know, the facts and uh, the, the realistic situation that you're in and the strategies to get you to where you want to be in retirement. See the difference. Come in and uh, enjoy the presentation, have some dinner, and then maybe come in for a visit with Jess and Jonathan in the office as well to talk about your particular situation. It all starts with a phone call or a text to 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or go online to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. And that's all the time that we have for on this week's show. For Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, I'm Walter Storholt. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time back here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest, an offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value, and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial investment and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble Capital.